Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You can really feel the intensity in the air as we get ready for Georgia Clemson on Saturday, Dog Nation Invasion on the way to Charlotte, all the fun that goes along with that. Going to be just such a great time. And, you know, I think you now also see the the intensity start to pick up amongst Georgia fans on the one side, Clemson fans on the other, just observers of college football within our SEC footprint or across the country of, okay, so what's really going to happen in this game? You know, what's really going to, to to be the thing that unfolds here? How is it, obviously, for those of us who are Georgia fans and have been thinking about this game now for months and months and months, how is it that Georgia actually wins this game on Saturday? Everybody's got their thoughts and their opinions it's one of the reasons why I love doing a show like this because I get to hear from so many of you on what you think matters and I get my opportunity to speak into a microphone and share what I think matters and we like doing that we also like hearing from other people whose voices we recognize who have a lot of stature within the sport because sometimes their words carry a lot of extra weight and it is with that in mind yesterday that I had a chance to be a part of a phone call that the ESPN analyst Kirk Herbstreit who will call the game by the way, on Saturday night. Of course, you've seen Kirk on ESPN College Game Day for forever there as well. Herb Street really plugged into Georgia Clemson, broadcasting the game on TV. And Herb Street was willing to share some of his thoughts about the game. I'm going to play a couple of clips from Kirk over the course of our uh, show here today. But I want to start with one in particular. Because if you were to ask me, you know, months ago, year ago, whenever... Like, what would I want to hear from Kirk Herbstreit, right? You know, if, if you told me, hey, the big broadcast team is going to be on the Georgia-Clemson game, you know, the most recognizable voice in the sport is going to be talking to you about Georgia-Clemson a couple days before that game, what would you want to hear Kirk Herbstreit say about UGA? And knowing kind of where this program has probably lacked in comparison to the very best in the country, including the team that's about to play on Saturday, I think the thing that I would have wanted to hear from Kirk Herbstreit is, can I hear some good things about my wide receivers, speaking as a Georgia fan? Can I hear somebody with some with some gravitas, somebody with some credentials? Can I hear somebody say that, hey, this Georgia wide receiver room is maybe about to turn the corner. This Georgia wide receiver room is maybe about to step up its level of play, even in light of the injury to George Pickens and some of the uncertain, unknown status of some of these other guys. Can I see some of that happen for this Georgia team here this year and – you got some of that from Kirk Herbstreit yesterday, which I kind of like to hear, and I think Georgia fans there as well. We'll hear a number of things from Kirk, but let me start with this. First of all, on the idea that the offensive weapons that Georgia has at its disposal for Clemson on Saturday could be a big step towards a key to victory for the Dogs. This is Kirk Herbstreit on that topic. Take a listen. They got Bax and White and Cook. They've got some great receivers. That's probably the area to me they've improved the most is they used to just have one receiver or two receivers. Now, based on recruiting, making that an emphasis, now they've got like six or seven guys that I think have the ability or the potential to contribute. So I've heard Kirby talk about it. How good are they around him? We'll tell you uh, how good JT Daniels is going to be. But I, I really believe that having a second year in this system with Todd Munkin and having somewhat of a normal offseason is going to allow these guys, I think, to take a, a pretty good jump. 
So I think there's a lot there from Kirk Herbstreit that's really pretty interesting. First of all, he says, I'm used to seeing Georgia maybe have one or two receivers that can play, but in studying this group and paying attention to what's happening in practice, and Herbstreit's probably visited practice. He didn't say that there, but you got to assume that doing the game, maybe Herbstreit's had a chance to see Georgia behind closed doors. He says, I kind of now see the potential of six or seven guys who might be able to play. And this really, I think, confirms what we've been saying on this show for quite some time. But if you just want to measure potential, and yes, I know that potential is is not the same thing as actual on-field production. You don't need to tell me that. I'm fully aware of that. But if you just want to measure this on the basis of potential, this is the deepest group of receivers that Georgia has had under Kirby Smart. And that is said in light of the fact that Eric Gilbert isn't currently available to this team and George Pickens is injured and a key pass catching target like Darnell Washington is injured, at least for right now. Even with all of that, this is still a deeper crop of pass catching talent from a measurable talent standpoint than we're used to seeing from UGA. And that is something to get excited about on Saturday night. Is Georgia going to have the best crop of receivers in the country? That might be asking a lot, just given how deep, frankly, a lot of the uh, best programs in the country are when it comes to the wide receiver position. That is just a tough thing to be able to do. But is Georgia going to be better than it has been? I think the chances of that being true are, 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 are quite obvious. And when, when, when Herb Street says, listen, it's six or seven potential guys. Now, you've heard me address this before. Well, actually, on the field, can't be six or seven. And this is like, you know, been the job, you would assume, for Cortez Hankton, the receiver's coach, and Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, and Kirby Smart, the head coach, is to sift through the potential of, hey, we saw a true freshman like A.D. Mitchell look good at G-Day, or you saw flashes during a freshman season a year ago from Jermaine Burton. You're happy to have Marcus Rosemey Jackson back from injury. You're, you know, excited about what Kiaris Jackson can do after back-to-back 100-yard receiving games a year ago, something not a lot of Georgia fan, not a lot of Georgia receivers have done. Arian Smith, the blazing speedster. Folks talk about him, you know, obviously with good reason. That, that there's all this potential of guys that it could be, but now you got to whittle it down and figure out who the three or four that you can really trust are. Not to say you can't rotate and play a bunch of guys, but ultimately you do have to sift through the potential and say, of all the guys it could be, these are the guys we believe it actually will be. And these are the guys that we're going to target on Saturday night. These are the guys we're going to build a game plan around. These are the guys that we're going to deputize to go out there with JT Daniels and get it done offensively. I guess the one thing that Herb Street said, though, in the comment that I just played that I may be don't agree agree with quite as much or I might would have just said it a little bit different way is and as these guys go so goes the quarterback as these guys go so goes the Georgia offense I understand where that comes from and obviously we've acknowledged before the value of receiving rooms we've said in college football that if quarterback is the number one position that the receiver core collectively is closely behind that that best teams in the country have great wide receiver groups that's just a fairly strong commonality that playoff level teams have had over the course of the last few years that's just kind of the uh, way it goes here but it's still about the quarterback especially when you've got a guy like JT Daniels who is a former five-star who was a part of the 2018 signing class we're now in 2021 this is a veteran presence he's been around college football he started for a full year at USC he's been at Georgia now for uh, a year he played some games with Todd Munkin a year ago 
the JT Daniels job, if JT Daniels wants to go on and fulfill all of the NFL potential that he has, and obviously that's one of the reasons why he came back here, to be healthier at Georgia this year and to really put himself squarely in the radar of quarterbacks who can be first-round picks come April, that if Daniels is going to take that step with his career, he's going to take some of these Georgia wide receivers with him. That this is still a situation where quarterback is going to make the receivers and not a situation where receiver makes the quarterback. Because the fact of the matter is, if the opposite were true, if Georgia's ever only going to be as good as its wide receivers are, then this is the most talented group of wide receivers that you'll ever have. Because other receivers in the future, I'm talking about guys like Luther Burden or or uh, Andre Green or you know guys who are watching the Georgia offense closely as a part of the 2022 class, I mean, they're just going to go somewhere where they have a better guarantee of being used effectively. That you've got to use what you have to get what you want. You want receivers that look like what Alabama's had? You want receivers that look like what Clemson, Ohio State, LSU have had? Then you've got to use the ones you have now effectively. You've got to make them into stars. And if you do, then all of a sudden the floodgates will open for future recruits to come in here. So I understand where Kirk Herbstreit's coming from this of, hey, as those receivers go, so go the Georgia offense. Georgia has needed to improve there. I think actually from a recruiting standpoint, they've actually done a pretty good job of bringing in talent. Some of it's gotten hurt from time to time, but but the job of Georgia is not to sit around and, and hope the receivers are good enough. The job of Georgia is to lean on a former five-star quarterback and a former NFL-caliber play caller and design an offense that actually exploits the talents and ability that these current wide receivers have, and that's what we're hoping to see on Saturday. Now, one more from Kirk Herbstreit here, because in light of this Georgia offense, what it is with Munkin, the second-year offensive coordinator, what it is with JT Daniels now in his first full year as a Georgia starting quarterback. Kirk Herbstreit in a conference call that I was a part of yesterday also really kind of drilled down on what Georgia's been through over the course of the last year, the, the, the challenges of when the pandemic struck as far as the football calendar and how that impacted Georgia and kind of what it's like now to kind of shake all that off and uh, be ready for this upcoming Saturday. Once again, good stuff from Kirk Herbstreit really kind of going deep here on the Georgia offense for a moment. They went from averaging 29 points a game to 37 points a game. So it was a significant jump when Daniels went into the game those last four games. And I think it kind of gave you an indicator of what's to come in Todd Munkin's offense. They've had an entire offseason. Think about Munkin. Comes to Georgia, ready to put in a new offense, doesn't know who his quarterback's going to be, and then they get a global pandemic where there's restrictions on no spring ball, limited opportunities throughout the summer, and now we're going to go out, we're going to have a big year in this first year in this system. Really tough to do. Uh, all things considered, I thought they did a pretty good job. Now we fast forward. You get through that. You finish those games with JT Daniels. Now you got an entire offseason, winter conditioning, spring ball, summer camp, to build and grow around Daniels as your guy. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's really interesting from Kirk Herbstreit there. And, you know, he spends almost as much time talking about Todd Munkin as he talks about JT Daniels. I think that's appropriate. I've said before that I'm not quite so sure that Todd Munkin isn't the most important figure around Georgia football for this upcoming year. A year ago, I think you could have said the same thing about the national champion Alabama. For everything that Nick Saban has earned in terms of praise and with good reason, the fact of the matter is I thought the most important coach for Alabama a year ago was actually Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator that led the Crimson Tide to score 49 points per game. There was really Sarkeesian's impact on that team a year ago that I thought propelled Alabama to a national championship. And I think that a similar thing could be true uh, for George. Not to say that Todd Munkin's more important than Kirby Smart, 
but I think that Todd Munkin's influence on this offense is greater than that of any player. Because, listen, we see this all the time. Average offensive coordinators can turn great talents into average players. Great offensive coordinators can turn average talent into great players. We see this, that there is a level of expertise when it comes to play calling that just seems to unlock potential that otherwise never never gets exploited. It, it, just, it just never happens. That This has become a sport that really puts a spotlight on the best, most brilliant play callers. Those are the guys that have a chance to, to make a big impact in college football Saturdays. And, and this is Todd Munkin's day for Georgia against Clemson to show that all the time that Kirk Herbstreit just talked about, all that time of, uh, of learning each other, of allowing Daniels to learn his offense, for Todd Munkin to learn the ways of the SEC and learn the ways of big-time college defense, like the one that you'll see on, against Clemson on Saturday, which is obviously a terrific one, that so much of what's going to happen on Saturday kind of rests on the shoulders of Todd Munkin. I'm not trying to be unfair. I'm not trying to, you know, to, to build him up too much or set him up for kind of an unwinnable situation. I'm just saying that college football has become a play-caller sport. Those are the guys that influence outcome maybe more so than anybody else, and Todd Munkin will have that spotlight on him on Saturday. But the good news is, as Munkin gets ready to move these pieces around the chessboard, as Kirk Kerbstreet said, Georgia is better at receiver than it's probably ever been under Kirby Smart. It's got some things going forward at quarterback that it hasn't always had, a combination of both talent and experience. It's got a real opportunity here in addition to the great stable of running backs and how all of that is used on Saturday. You, me, we're all fascinated to see how it plays out. And obviously around here, we hope that it leads to a Georgia victory. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Mary Weather and Tharpin. Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Watching live at dognation.com or watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, Twitch, whether it's live, on demand, later on, whenever. Of course, our podcast, the Apple Player, Spotify, uh, the Google Player, for those of you that have the Android devices. Uh, some of you listen right there through SoundCloud. Uh, you listen when I post the show at dognation.com. You listen on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. However you get to us, we just really appreciate you uh, being here and being a part of what we're doing. And a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp making it all possible. You know, our friends at Meriwether and Tharp also, by the way, going to be with us for Dog Nation Invasion. We head towards Charlotte on the weekend. That's going to be a fun thing to be a part of and love the idea of Bob Ashley and the whole family there and uh, some of the great colleagues there at Meriwether and Tharp. Looking forward to seeing a lot of folks from Meriwether and Tharp with us for Dog Nation Invasion. Really excited about that. And very, very proud to say my confidence level really high when it comes to really recommending them to help you through what can be a tough situation in your life, right? Divorce. And it's the D word. It's the kind of thing that stops in your tracks when I mention it on the show. And I understand all of that. But here's the thing. I had no hesitation in telling you that if you find yourself either in the midst of this process or about to go through this process, you think it could be, you know, uh, an un unavoidable circumstance for you on down the line, trust my friends at Meriwether and Thorpe to be your advocate throughout all of this because they've been through it thousands of times. Their team of lawyers, not only do they know the intricacies of the law, but they also understand the emotional impact of how all of this can can influence you and they're there for you through all of that there as well. It's good to have a friend in a process like this. And Meriwether and Tharp, I think, can really serve as a friend to you as you go through what can be a challenging set of circumstances. In fact, you can kind of do some exploring on this on your own because it's always kind of nice to kind of tiptoe into the water without having to make a big commitment right away. So if you go to the website, theatlantadivorceteam.com, that's theatlantadivorceteam.com, 
explore the free resources. They have blog posts, they have podcasts, they have an opportunity for you to set up a free initial consultation. You can kind of go at your own pace in this, learn what you need to learn, educate yourself so you can ask better questions during that free initial consultation. And then when it's time to make the next step, then take the big step of making Meriwether and Tharp your advocate throughout all of this. They can make you whole again. They can set you up for success in the future, protect your finances, your relationship with your family, all the things that matter throughout all of this. The AtlantaDivorceTeam.com for Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Let me also say this briefly. Meriwether and Tharp will also be with us coming up on Friday for our road to the GHSA state title on Peachtree TV, streaming at CBS46.com. Of course, high school football on Fridays. And you've heard me say this already this week that I was really, really excited about the Rabin County Eagles Landing Christian Academy game. We were just really such, such a great weekend, right? To have Gunnar Stockton, the Georgia quarterback, come in on TV on Friday, rolling into a trip to Charlotte on Saturday for Georgia Clemson. Unfortunately, that game has been canceled. There was a coronavirus outbreak at Rabin County that has prevented that game from being played. But the good news is, though, and this is where I just love the folks I get a chance to work with, uh, Rusty Manziel, terrific analyst, all the folks from Score Atlanta and Peachtree TV, uh, CBS 46, just the quick way in which they respond to things like this. They pivot. They got a great game schedule for us right away. And a huge shout-out to Kennesaw Mountain and Alatoona, two really good teams, terrific uh, high school football matchup, college prospects galore. They said, yeah, we're absolutely willing on short notice to do a TV game. We'll put ourselves in a big spotlight there. So I'm really excited to have Alatoona and Kennesaw Mountain on Peachtree TV, streaming at CBS 46 on Friday night. Uh, Can't wait to do all of that. And a big thanks to CBS 46, Peachtree TV, Score Atlanta, and both teams, Alatoona and Kennesaw Mountain, for acting quickly to be a part of all of that. All right, I've got Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a moment. Before we speak to uh, Terrence, though, here today, I do want to go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And I, I told you off the top of the program that a lot of what we're doing right now is about kind of going on the record. Folks are weighing in. You heard that from Kirk Herbstreit a little earlier. We'll actually get more of Herbstreit before the show is done today. But folks kind of really weighing in on this is what I think is going to happen with Georgia Clemson. Here's how I think this game is going to play out. And one of the guys that did that in a very strong way yesterday was Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart, who's covered a lot of Georgia Clemson games over the years. And he was with me on SEC Country Live yesterday afternoon. And Tony, in no uncertain terms, made it clear that this is a game that he expects Georgia to win. I asked him, hey, you know, Georgia's been through a lot. They got some injuries. This is a big stage for Georgia to prove that it can beat the national championship-level programs like Clemson. Is this a moment in which Georgia is ready for? And Tony made it clear that, yeah, he thinks they are. This is Tony Barnhart. I think they're ready. I, I, you know, I picked Georgia to win this game back in June. I'm, I picked, I'm picking Georgia to win this game this week, yes. I know all the stories about the injuries, and they're not insignificant. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is Georgia has been building towards this team uh, in recruiting for a while. And this team, even if there are questions at wide receiver and questions at, in the depth of secondary, this team still checks all the boxes. I mean, I love the idea of that. And if you're a Georgia fan, that's what you hope is true on Saturday night, that phrase there at the end, still checking all the boxes. Deep at running back, better than maybe in Clemson, you certainly feel that way have a chance to be better along the offensive line, it's at least a possibility. Georgia's got its questions there. But as Tony says, that's a box that can be checked. 
potentially better at quarterback. I think the game may come down to which these two quarterbacks play better, and JT Daniels certainly has a strong chance to outplay Uyung Lele on Saturday night. You know, better at wide receiver, we'll see about that. Maybe good enough to keep pace. Uh, just as good defensively, if not better, a chance there there as well that Georgia literally does potentially check all of these boxes. There is no tangible reason, in other words, that Georgia should take an obvious backseat to Clemson in any regard. It's just not one of those easy arguments to make why Georgia should be inferior in any category. Now, it's also not a guarantee that Georgia goes out there and wins the game. They are a point spread underdog for a reason. But Barnhart expressing some confidence there, I think, mirrors the feeling that some Georgia fans have as we get close to the game. I've told you before that my own confidence level, speaking not just as a host of this show, but as a fan, is probably not that high. It's not that I think that Georgia loses. I just can't pound my fist on the table and guarantee that's that Georgia's going to win, You know, simply because that's what I want to be true. That's what you want to be true. I, I can't in good faith, intellectual honesty, say that. But as someone who hopes that's the case, it's nice to hear someone like Tony Barnhart say that's what he believes is going to happen. The other thing that, that Tony addressed when he joined us on SEC Country Live yesterday afternoon was the stakes for the game. And this is a point we've hammered home a lot over and over again. This is not an exhibition game. This isn't a showcase of two talented teams who will both play their most important games later in the season. That the pathway for making the college football playoff is much clearer and much easier for the winner. And the loser of this game does put themselves in a tougher spot. Not to say their playoff door is closed. We know that's not true. But the idea that it's easy to shake off a week one loss and then run the table after that and sneak right back in the college football playoff, not necessarily. We've made the case for that over and over again this week, and Tony Barnhart made that case yesterday as well. This from SEC Country Live. There's still a path for Georgia if they lose. Obviously, they could run the table to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game 12-1. and one, That puts you in. But what it does is it takes away their margin for error. Now they've got to win everything else. They, they, have, they, have, they have only one path if they lose. Uh, and, and same thing for Clemson. You know, Clemson, Clemson if, they, if they win, then they can run the table in the 13-0 they're going to get in. They're going to play North Carolina or Miami in the ACC championship game, and they're going to win that game. So what, the, what this game is is that can you still get – can the losers still get there? Yes. Is it – infinitely more difficult if you lose this game absolutely no question I mean I think Tony does a really good job there of explaining why the stakes for this game are so high a lot on the line Georgia has the tangible opportunity to get a big trophy on the wall against a perennial playoff team like Clemson they've been in the final four every year since 2015 but also it's the symbolic value of proving that you can beat a team that a couple of times in the playoff era has won a national championship we haven't heard much from the Clemson side about this this week, but typically speaking, uh, Dabo Swinney, the rest of that program, seems to like the idea of the head-to-head comparisons with the SEC. Seems like you get a little extra juice from Clemson when they get a chance to go up against the SEC because they hear the criticism of the rest of their schedule. Weak ACC, no other ranked opponents currently on the Clemson schedule, not likely to play a ranked team until you possibly get to the ACC championship game. There is a lot on the line, both literally, symbolically, and every other kind of way for Georgia and Clemson on Saturday. Good job by Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart laying it all out right there. It's Around the Doghouse. It's uh, presented today by our friends at ServPro. And for homeowners, and so many of you are, you understand that one of the most challenging things a homeowner can go through is 
when you see damage to your home, when you, and a lot of times it's commonly caused by like water intrusion or fire or anything like that. And it can be just a debilitating feeling to see the home, the most valuable asset that you have, also uh, something you have incredible sentimental value for, to see it damaged. Well, this is where Serve Pro steps in because they're restoration specialists can repair that damage and get your home back like it literally never happened. They can make it look just as good as new like it never happened. Also, Serve Pro franchises are all independently owned and operated, which means you're doing business with folks that understand the value of kind of like family-owned service and, and, and really taking care of you on a very personal level. Uh, the Serve Pro restoration specialists will walk with you every step of the way through all of this. And for the fire damage, the water damage you may have experienced, they can make it be like it never happened. So check out ServePro.com for more details on that. That's ServePro.com, and you can find out uh, what they can do for you. And for those of you listening radio and podcast, let me just make it clear. It's S-E-R-V-P-R-O.com. S-E-R-V-P-R-O.com for ServePro.com. All right, we're not done with Kirk Herb on today's show. We'll hear his thoughts on the Georgia defense before we are done. We'll run through a busy slate of games around the rest of college football here for week one as well. But for now, on those wide receivers that we heard Herb Street praise a little earlier and everything else as far as a key to victory for the Dogs on Saturday, let's break it all down with the great former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Thought. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I'll remind you as we get ready to say hello to Terrence Edwards right now that Terrence is going to be back with us for our Dog Nation postgame show on Saturday night after the game. It'll be a late one, but it should be a fun one. Terrence, I know you're like me. Boy, I sure do hope we're talking about a Georgia win late on Saturday night because that makes staying up you know, past midnight a lot more fun when you're talking Georgia victory there. Uh, it sure would be nice to speak to you on Saturday night under those terms. Oh, most definitely. I think Dog Nation will understand the tenor of the show, depending on which way uh, our dogs come out uh, on the game on Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's one thing you know about these dog fans that show up for that postgame show. Their uh, mood, very, very different depending on the outcome, and we've certainly experienced plenty of that over the years, and Saturday night will be no different in that regard. I thought it was interesting to hear from Kirk Herbstreit yesterday, Terrence, the ESPN analyst, who says – that when he looks around at these Georgia wide receivers now, he sees more guys capable of contributing than he's used to seeing. You know, he says, hey, maybe in the past it was one or two guys that you thought you could really lean on and depend on, truly throw the ball to in a, in a key spot. He says maybe now it's six or seven of those guys. And while Herb Street didn't mention the injury to George Pickens, it is interesting to think that you could say something like that in light of the fact that Georgia has been you know, banged up the receiver position. Dominic Blaylock not currently available, obviously, to Georgia either, although you hope that's maybe uh, rectified sooner rather than later. The point here is this is something you and I have talked about a lot, that, you know, under Kirby Smart, dating back to the time that he first became Georgia coach in 2016, this is the deepest that Georgia's been in this position group and the best chance that Georgia's probably had to create the kind of explosive offense that it takes to win these days. And now it's just a matter of seeing, does it really play out that way on the field, right? I think in this receiver room, we have five to six guys that you can really lean on to make plays. I don't think it's been like that in the past. We just had a bunch of guys that uh, was was there. This we have a very deep room in the wide receiver core. Um, even without George Pickett, which I wish we had, or Eric, uh, we still got guys that go out there and, and routinely make plays. Uh, I think J- Jermaine 
it's probably should be the focus. And if you focus on Jermaine, you have a ex- experienced Kieris. Um, you have Justin Robinson. You have up and coming Adonde, and you have the speech of Arian Smith. So uh, I love the room, and I love the one guy that I wish would better play is Darnell Washington. I think he is the the, the X factor in this whole season, in my opinion. He is the X factor to determine how season going to be. But I think he's that good and that. Uh, big of a mismatch for a lot of defenses. I know you know a lot of these guys personally, so you may or may not be comfortable saying this, but I am curious what you think the pecking order might look like on Saturday. You know, my assumption is if we assume health for these guys, and right now I think we do, that the top three receivers, the guys on the field the most, are likely to be Jermaine Burton and Kiaris Jackson. And if I had to guess, I'd say the third guy there is Marcus Rosemey Jackson. Is that kind of what you expect the top three to be on Saturday, or is that a subject you're comfortable addressing right now? Uh, if I just had to take, I don't have any inside information, but if I had to assume, I would say those would be your your, your three starting receivers uh, that open up the game on Saturday. And, you know, it, it seems like on the base of what A.D. Mitchell did during the spring, and he's gotten some praise this summer, it seems like, you know, he's close to being a part of that group there as well. My assumption is that, that he plays. We get some questions about Justin Robinson from time to time because there are a lot of Georgia fans who are ready to see more of, of, of Justin there too. How do you think that Robinson, given the strength that he brings to the table, you know, given the fact that, you know, Kirby's talked about obviously, you know, better blocking in the perimeter and some of those downfield blocks as well that sprung backs for big gains, you know, going back 2018, if you want to go back and look at that. How do you feel like Justin Robinson's fitting into this situation right now? I think you will see uh, a lot of Justin Robson on, on Saturday. He brings a different element. He's legitimate 6'4", uh, between 215 and 220, um, and he's faster than anyone expected a guy to be who's that big. So I expect to see a lot of Justin in this game. Uh, I don't know you know, how much he's going to play, uh, what position he's playing, but I assume from what I've seen at practice that he will get his, his opportunities to showcase his talent on Saturday. We heard Tony Barnhart a moment ago on the show say that he thinks that Georgia's ready, ready for this game against Clemson. I'd heard in the last few days that, you know, this is the time in which practice kind of get a little lighter. And, you know, at this point in time, you're not looking to be as physical as maybe you were earlier in the summer. And one way or another, the game plan's kind of done. Uh, the, you know, the, you either, you're either ready for the game or you're not at this point in time. And obviously, you played a lot of big games during your career. You know, what are these days like where you're, at this point in time, you've watched all the film you can. You've, uh, you know, you've done your own physical preparation as well as you can. Like, what are these days like? Kind of in this end of week time before you make your way over to Charlotte. What's it like to be a Georgia player right now? That's a lot of excitement. I mean, all the fall camp, all the beating, all the practices, all the summer workouts, all the getting up at five thirty doing matches. Like all that work that you have put in that the fans don't see. Now it's time to showcase all of that hard work on Saturdays. And today uh, is a Thursday. It will be a lighter practice today, kind of fine-tuning everything that you want to put into the game plan. If you want to throw out something or put in something, today is the day. And tomorrow is basically the day before the game. You'll walk through and just really just meeting, then get ready to play for Saturday. So today is going to be it's a very important day for the guys, kind of finalizing the depth charts and the rosters and who's going to play, who's the injury. All that plays a part, but it, it is it is go time now. It, it is it is ready to play. These, these guys have put in the hard work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is a light day, and tomorrow 
it's, it's a fun day. Then Saturday is the game day, so it's, it's time. It is ready. It's time to play some football. On the other side, for a moment, I don't know we've heard you say much about DJ Uyunglele, the Clemson quarterback. We only saw him for a couple of games a year ago. He's obviously a terrific prospect, former five-star out of the state of California, and he follows in the footsteps of guys like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, who were terrific quarterbacks previously for the Tigers. What do you make of Uyunglele, and I guess how good do you expect him to be on Saturday? I've watched him a lot. I've watched him. You know, I-, I watch everyone. I matter. Sure. What state you come from? He's a top guy. I've watched him battle Bryce Bryce Young out in California for years. So uh, he's a very talented guy. He, he's he's big. I'm not going to put him in uh, the the same category as a big healthy lefty from Kentucky, but he's a big, big, naturally big kid uh, and can sling the football. So I'm he, he he's I don't think he's Trevor Lawrence or or Deshaun Watson, but he's in a Keller Bryant mode that he's going to be really, really good and lead this offense. He has the weapons to uh, make plays. So all the thing he has to do is not turn the ball over, put, continue to put his team in position to win, put him in the right place to succeed. Uh, and I think he, could, he he would do well. I don't see him in the, in the Trevor Lawrence, the Sean Watson type category. One of the things that's come up some this week is the presence of Darian Kendrick, you know, having been on the Clemson roster now at Georgia – it sounds like you know Clemson's going to be on guard about that a little bit, what he might know, what he might be able to reveal to UGA. Kirby, for the most part, downplayed that. How big of a role do you think Kendrick plays? Obviously going to be on the field a lot as a good player for Georgia, but in terms of having some secret information about Clemson, how much of that do you think George would have the ability to utilize for a game like this? Oh, a lot. He's been in that program. He understands their checks. He understands when you line up in a certain formation. He understands everything that Clemson is trying to do offensively because he had to practice against it. And also, we we not let's not uh, forget that he came in as a wide receiver. So yeah. a lot of times, signs and signals don't change over time. And he's going to understand if we play in press coverage, their rule is we're going to give those guys an opportunity to get 50-50 balls, which we have seen. So it's this information that he's giving to the coach right now is valuable. Uh, I, and I understand Kirby downplaying, but this is valuable information that he has the opportunity to, to give to the coach because he has direct inside knowledge of that program. I want to finish with this, if you don't mind. John Stinchcomb told a really good story on Monday. Obviously, you were part of the win against Clemson in 2002. That's a game that, as a fan, and I was not doing any kind of media stuff or anything like that back then. I was pretty young in 2002. Uh, but I have great memories of that game as a fan because it was a big win for y'all in 2002 that led up to a run through the SEC and eventual SEC championship. And John kind of told the story of really a very bold play call by Mark Rick late in that game. And Terrence, I'd actually almost forgotten about this, which is kind of strange. I guess it shows you I'm getting old if I'm forgetting about you know uh, key moments like this. But going for it on fourth down in your own territory, giving the ball to Musa Smith, Musa converts that clinches the victory essentially ends any chance that Clemson get the football back and DJ Shockley played a great game that day too but um you know the thing that stuck out to Stinchcomb was just the real bold play call of, of Rick there to go with the Musa Smith handoff on fourth down in your own territory not wanting to give the football back to Clemson what are your memories of that oh I, I remember it just like that I can remember hulling up and uh, he just saying, we're going to get this first down. We, we put the work, and that gave us, I think, the bold confidence that we can we can go a long way. We have the team to do it because Coach Rick believed in us 
that we can get this first down. Uh, I mean, having John and George up on the offensive line, having Musa, who's a big, powerful back, babe, to get those yardage was a really stepping stone to our season. I mean, that was a great atmosphere. I mean, I think that was an ESPN late game, and at that time, I think we probably only game on, so all lives was on the Georgia Clemson game, which is a back and forth affair, which people probably don't know. I, that game, I caught the touchdown pass from DJ, which broke Bryce Hunter's most uh, touchdown passes in school history uh, wow. in that game. So uh, I can remember Fred Gibson returning the kickoff. I mean, that game was electric. And uh, uh, and that play call right there kind of set the tone for the rest of the season that Coach Rick believed in us and we believed in him. So hold on for a second. I, I got to ask you about this. So you set the school record for touchdowns in a career in the first game of your senior season? Yes, I uh, think Bryce Hunter had 18, and I caught the first pass. And I had 19, which I ended up scoring 11 that season. That took me to 30. I mean, you're a humble guy. You don't brag on yourself. Somebody's got to brag on you uh, for you. I mean, folks just got to go look at these record books, man. I mean, uh, you know, Terrence is a is, is a mild mannered guy. Like I said, he's not going to pat himself on the back. But those numbers, all these years later, man, they still hold up in a big way. To think you set a school record and you had a whole senior season still to come. That is a that's a pretty impressive uh, category right there, and boy, it sure would be nice to see some Georgia receivers joining you in some of those exclusive rooms here pretty soon. Thousand-yard club and everything else. I think so. I, I think we're going to have one, uh, hopefully this season. And I tell people all the time, they're always saying, your record's going to go down. And, and everybody understands and knows this. And the one person that I would love to join that club is Jermaine Burton. Yeah. somebody who I've trained and, and coached since he was in the seventh grade, and if anyone breaks the record or, or joins me in that club, I would love it to be him. Uh, so I, I look forward to someone joining that club. And if they are, I think that's only going to help our program get these other recruits and get big-time receivers once we establish ourselves as a team that's going to throw the ball and get 1,000-yard receivers year in and year out. That's only going to help us in the recruiting, especially at that position. I've kept you long, and I apologize. Let me squeeze in two things real quick before we let you go. First of all, you talked about the way in which that Clemson win was a springboard for y'all in 2002. It certainly seems like the same thing could happen for this team there as well. Clemson's a big-time opponent. You talk about unlocking a level of belief and really maybe developing a, a level of momentum. Boy, it seems like the sky could be the limit for Georgia if they could just get past these Tigers this weekend, right? Yes, I think so. Um, I uh, this this is a test. This is a test. It's not the end all be all if we lose, but it's really a test to see what type of team that we have. This is a big time opponent. We understand what Clemson's going to bring uh, to the table. Uh, we know they have represented the last few years. Uh, so this is a big test, and it's they're right up the street. So this is bragging rights. I mean, they're they're our neighbors, an hour and a half up the street, and I think this game should be played more often mm-hmm. uh, than than what has been played so far. Um, I, I have a coach on my staff at Pace, uh, Justin Miller, who's an All-American DB at Clemson, and we've been at each other's throat for this past month. And this game is – that's what this game is about. Man. The, the, the two schools are too close in proximity for us not to play as, um, as often as we have. So I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be a great game. All right, quick last thing. You mentioned Pace Academy. I don't mean to bring up a uh, sore subject, but uh, you did get a chance to see Gunnar Stockton, the – Georgia quarterback commit last week in a televised game with the Pace Academy staff that you're a part of there. Gunner had a big day. What would you think of the future Georgia quarterback getting a chance to see him in person? Uh, he's a guy that I've been speaking about for years. I love 
uh, quarterbacks that you don't have to be Michael Vick. Uh, you don't have to be uh, any of those guys that are just super athletic. I just want a quarterback who can move around and get me 10 yards on 39. He definitely has the body structure to uh, move the chains with his legs and create plays with his legs. But he also has the arm strength and the accuracy to throw the ball downfield. So he's exactly what I, I, I look for in the quarterback right now. And I got to uh, meet Gunner this past season with at Hustle Inc. practice. He's a part of that uh, prominent Hustle Inc. 707 program. And with just his father, uh, Coach Stockton, is a defense coordinator over there. And I'm an offense coordinator at Pace. So we kind of went head to head this weekend. He just comes from a great family. I can't wait to see him compete between the hedges. Well, I can't wait to see you as part of our Dog Nation postgame show on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to that. Terrence, also remind folks, if they want some of the personal coaching you're also providing to next-generation pass catchers, how can they get more of that, too? Uh, you can reach me on all social media at Terrence Elwood Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, look forward to seeing you Saturday night for our Dog Nation postgame show and back here again on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp very soon as well. See you Saturday. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, great stuff from Terrence Edwards. And, yeah, like I said, yeah, Terrence probably embarrassed. I don't mean to, you know, put his business out there like that. But, I mean, imagine this. School record for touchdown passes in a career. And he broke it in the first game of his senior year. He was the all-time touchdown scorer at George as a receiver going, essentially going into his senior year. He had, you know, 11 games still yet to come. Regular season games, George ended up playing, I guess, what, 14 that year. But, uh, I mean, that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of year Terrence Edwards, that kind of career Terrence Edwards put together there. And he just goes about his business. You know, he talks football. You know, he doesn't put his, you know, name out there, uh, you know, in the front like like, like some, maybe some others might. But uh, that's that's a heck of a career right there. And, and wouldn't it be great to have some more Georgia receivers walking that path here very, very soon. So good stuff from Terrence Edwards all the way around. Let's move into our BetUS bet, bet, uh, Best Bets here. Boy, easy for me to say. Let's try that again. BetUS Best Bets. Boy, it's a little bit like a little bit of a tongue twister. Uh, the BetUS Best Bets, as we look ahead to the upcoming weekend of action around the SEC and college football as a part of our SEC through, of course, I'll remind you that when it comes to our friends at BetUS, great chance for you to take advantage of a big offer. You know, BetUS is America's most beloved sports book, and you don't get to be that way taking care of business for more than 25 years unless you're taking good care of your players. That's what BetUS has been doing for a long time. Big time incentives including a big time sign up bonus for you when you get going there. If you go to BetUS.com Use the promo code DN125. Of course, the DN stands for Dog Nation. DN125. You're going to get 125% sign-up bonus when you sign up. But you've got to go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125. Take advantage of the big sign-up bonus. Good stuff there from our friends at BetUS. BetUS.com. DN125. That'll get you 125% sign-up bonus. That means if you put $100 in, they're going to give you an extra $125 on top of that. You are literally a winner before you even place your first bet. So good stuff there. As far as my action for the upcoming weekend, here's where I am. Let's look at these point spreads for a moment. Uh, this is all from BetUS. And to be honest with you, these lines were also put together a little earlier in the week. So make sure you are careful about your lines in the moment here. We want to be you know real about that. But Bama, Miami in Atlanta, 18.5 point number. Uh, that's how big Alabama's favored. This will be the ninth consecutive year that Alabama has started week one. Neutral site against a... Power 5 opponent in one of these non-conference games. And in the previous eight, Alabama's won them all by an average of 27 points. 
Alabama's typically very strong in this kind of two to three touchdown range as a favorite, but their biggest sure thing in all of sports may be Alabama week one in a neutral site non-conference game. They win by an average of 27. I know a lot of folks think that Manny Diaz ready to improve things for the Hurricanes here this year. That may happen, but it ain't going to happen against Alabama. Uh, I know it's 18 and a half. It's a fairly sizable number. In fact, we may be seeing that number rising as you get towards game time, so get in quick if you want to. But uh, I like Alabama minus the points there. That is a bet U.S. best bet for me. How about LSU going to UCLA? Obviously been a tough week for folks in Louisiana. Maybe a good time for LSU to go on the road here. And when going on the road, that's been no problem for Ed Orgeron's club. Let me give you a couple of uh, trends that I think matter here. When you look at LSU in the Ed Orgeron era as a road era as a road favorite of seven points or less, LSU is actually five and three against the spread in those games. As a road favorite overall, 10-6-1 against the spread, once again under Ed Orgeron. I actually think Orgeron's a pretty good coach. One of the reasons I think that is because of some of the spread data. Pretty much however you slice it up, conference games, road games, as a favorite, small favorite, even as an underdog, uh, LSU has a tendency to be pretty good on the, you know, against the spread. I think Saturday it'll be true there as well. Uh, of course, last year UCLA did cover the spread in five of the seven games the Bruins played in 2020. But coming off a win last week against Hawaii in Week Zero action, in 31 previous games with Chip Kelly as head coach, UCLA's only followed a win with another win just four times. This has been an incredibly inconsistent program. In other words, I like LSU minus the four there. Moving on to Monday, Louisville-Ole Miss. That's a game that will be played in Atlanta, and Ole Miss is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite uh, at BetUS there on that. And I've been saying this about Ole Miss for a while. A lot of folks think that, you know, Ole Miss in for big season. A lot of folks are really high on Lane Kiffin. But, boy, I think you really strain yourself to find data that proves this. I mean, last year, Ole Miss just 4-5 and five against the spread. That doesn't speak to a coach that was doing more with less. That doesn't speak to a coach that was massively exceeding expectations. On the other side of things, Scott Satterfield, that's a program in kind of disarray at Louisville. Satterfield essentially begged to get another job, ultimately didn't get one, or at least he flirted with the South Carolina job in particular. It doesn't seem like he's very happy there at Louisville, but against the spread, they were actually better than Ole Miss and have been better. Not the same schedule, of course, but 6-5 and 1 against the spread in 2020, 7-5 and five in Satterfield's first year in 2019. I think nine and a half is too many points here, in other words. Uh, Ole Miss may win, but nine and a half is a nice little cushion for the Cardinals. So give me the underdog in that spot on Monday. And don't forget, uh, we do have football stretching into the week. Then, of course, outside the SEC, I'll do this quick. Uh, I think that Texas could very much be on upset alert next week against Arkansas, but hosting the Rage and Cajuns at home. By the way, first top 25 matchup for Texas in week one since 1984. That's kind of an interesting stat here. As an eight-point favorite, I believe they cover. Rage and Cajuns are good, but Sarkeesian knows he can't start his Texas career on a slow note. And so my guess is the Longhorns are ready for this. couple of top 25 games in the Big Ten. you got Penn State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's probably better than you think. They're 15th in ESPN uh, FPI right now. That puts them ahead of teams like LSU and USC, teams that we think of as having a deeper talent base. Wisconsin's actually power rated ahead of them at the moment. Uh, Penn State's got a big game coming up against Auburn, so we'll pay attention to them there. But uh, I think Wisconsin favorite at home is like the sneaky slight value here. I'll stick the home team when it comes to Iowa and Indiana. 
you know, Indiana probably the sexier team. They got Michael Penix at quarterback. They've got a former USC five star running back starting at tailback. Hawkeyes, though, a year ago, in a pandemic shortened year where their final two games were canceled, their first two games were losses. In between that, they had a string of six consecutive wins. Actually, finished their season on a six-game winning streak a year ago. Uh, I think there's good value in the Hawkeyes here. I also like them to potentially win the Cyhawk game against Iowa State coming up there as well. So I like both home teams of the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Iowa. I like Texas to uh, cover in the Steve Sarkeesian debut. Uh, give me the underdog against Ole Miss. LSU to go on the road and cover and give me Alabama by a million against Miami. Those are our BetUS best bets. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Threat, let's turn our attention fully back to the Georgia Bulldogs here for a moment. And I want to examine the Georgia defense because I thought that Kirk Herbstreet gave you some good stuff on the Georgia defense. Once again, I had a chance to be a part of a conference call with Kirk yesterday, and Hurt uh Kirk broke down some of the stuff related to the Georgia defense including the one thing we've seen Georgia the last couple of years be best in the country at and I do think it matters for Georgia on Saturday even though it seems like the game is changing it hasn't changed this much in one regard here's Kirk with a little praise the Georgia defense take a listen to this now we'll say this how about a tough start I mean you got an offensive line with some injuries the center and here comes Clemson as far as Georgia's defense, what they do is they got to be themselves, which is tough to run on. Always one of the toughest teams to run on in the country. If if that plays out in this game and you make Clemson one-dimensional, that, that's a huge advantage for Georgia's defense. I think that's exactly right. As much as the game has become, a, and not, by the way, not the sharpest edit for me on that clip a moment ago, but you still got the point. I think that Kirk's absolutely right that – as much as the game has become about throwing the football and as much as it become about the high-powered offenses, this is still a game, college football, where you want to take the run away. And if you can do that, make your opponent one-dimensional, it just gives you so many other options defensively. You can be more aggressive with your blitz. That's something that a lot of analytics experts are calling on Georgia to do. Unlock and unleash a lot of these edge rusher types, you know, big-time potential playmakers. Let those guys do what they've dreamt of doing. And taking away the run, making a team one-dimensional, I think gives you just more of a chance to do that. When you look at games in which Georgia's faced big-time offenses, it's not always been the the passing game that's broken Georgia's back. Think about first half of the Rose Bowl and Rodney Anderson and Trey Sermon and those Oklahoma running backs. That was a lot for Georgia to deal with. Think about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the 2019 SEC Championship game. Think about, you know, Najee Harris a year ago for Alabama, you know, you know, good high-powered passing offenses have a way of also having the component running back to go with that. If you can take that guy away, and Georgia's been best in the country at rush defense the last couple of years, led in large measure by Jordan Davis, it just gives you more of an opportunity to really do the things schematically and athletically that you want to do, take away the passing game there as well. So Georgia's ability to stop the run still matters, even though the sport's becoming more and more about the pass. I think Kirk Kerbstreet's right about that. Herb Street, though, does express a little bit of a concern, and it's the same concern many Georgia fans have, too. The presence of an inexperienced Georgia secondary, you bring a guy like Darian Kendrick over, but you're not quite sure what you have at cornerback. Herb Street saying, yeah, that is something you got to be very wary of if you're Georgia going into Saturday, and most Georgia fans would probably agree. Here's the ESPN analyst once again. Now, the concern that I have looking at this game without being able to study a lot of the film other than last year is the corner play. I mean, there's not a lot of depth, and Georgia's defense right now in the back end, they're breaking in a lot of new people, especially at, uh, at corner. 
ironically, Deion, Deion, uh, Darian Kendrick, who played a lot, wasn't just on Clemson's roster. I mean, he was a starter, played a ton. Um, he is starting at corner against his boys on the other side. So I think that's a game within the game uh, at a position that, that looks like a concern for Georgia. They're going to a Clemson Tiger uh, as a guy that they hope uh, plays well. So stop the run first, try to get uh, Uwe Ungalale in obvious passing downs, and then mix up those coverages as much as you can to try to create hesitation and doubt and then hope you get turnovers. Like, to me, that's that's going to be the key to the game for Georgia. So Kirk Herbstreet describes there a potential recipe for victory for UGA. And if you want a great recipe for old-world flavor for terrific pizza as you head towards the weekend, think about my friends at Marco's Pizza for that. Obviously, in addition to the great golden crust that's uh, always baked to a crisp and so good and the blended cheeses on top of that, the old-world pepperoni, everything there as well, you also get great savings there too. With Marco's Pizza, how about this for the weekend? A large one-topping pizza, just $9.99. That's a simple deal, great value, a very big win in my family. Large one-topping pizza for just $9.99. You can order on the Marco's app or at marcos.com. Of course, Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers get it. Participation does vary, so check out online or the store closest to you to find out more details on that. But Marco's Pizza, a great choice as we head towards the weekend, and really good stuff from Kirk Herbstreet on offensively, defensively, exactly what it's going to take to get it done from the dogs. Fun to hear from the guy who'll call the game on Saturday as a part of our program here today. Speaking of hearing from guys we haven't heard from in a while, Joel Sidney Kelly, you know, longtime president of our Dog Nation message board and very effective social media edit guy, just one of those. We have a few guys in our audience and across the uh, Georgia fandom here that just really know the Photoshop skills very well. And, you know, obviously we just heap accolades on them during this portion of the show when we give away our golden shoe each and every day. Uh, Joel Sidney Kelly had a beautiful, I'm talking about a masterpiece work honoring Georgia quarterback JT Daniels ahead of the season opener. For those of you on video, I'll show you this here. Obviously, Daniels gets a lot of, you know, connections to the movie Tombstone and Another kind of tie-in with that with Joel Sidney Kelly, who says it's just three days away from Georgia Clemson. He tweeted this yesterday. Great-looking uh, edit there of of JT Daniels, the kind of the tombstone motif here. You love to see it all the way around. Fun stuff there. Congratulations, Joel, to you. You are the Golden Shoe winner. How about Gator Hater Countdown? 58 days. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Of course, we'll take your comments. Uh, you can send them to me on Twitter at DogNationDaily or when we post a show at DogNation.com. Love hearing from you on all of that. And I was on 92.9 The Game, sports radio station in Atlanta earlier this week. And one of the topics that came up were, you know, we do this kind of from time to time, breakout type players who you expect to have, you know, big performances. One of the names that I mentioned was Trayvon Walker. And some of what I said there got a little bit of attention because, look, here's what I believe. And I think a lot of you believe this too, that – We've seen defensive end be obviously an important position for Georgia. Excuse me. We've seen defensive end be kind of an important position for Georgia, but there's been kind of a certain mold that Georgia defensive ends have had where Kirby Smart obviously likes for his defense to be fundamentally sound, you know, uh, basically keeping contained, you know, filling gaps and not letting defensive breakdowns occur. And that's important, right? I'm not going to downplay that. But – there's also an opportunity for, at times, players to break that mold and be more dynamic. And for a guy like Trayvon Walker, who 
is in that kind of defensive end type position, but athletically is probably more like the outside linebackers, more like the edge rushers, more like guys who get after quarterbacks. And this year, I think that's kind of what what Walker's going to be. I think he's the kind of guy that breaks the mold of what we typically think of as a Georgia defensive end. And I take it seriously when Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator earlier this summer, said that he had big expectations for tackles for loss for Walker. That's the kind of dynamic, havoc-wreaking plays that, that big-time athletes produce. Back in the spring, Kirby Smart mentioned Walker by name as a guy that would help fill the void left behind by Aziz Ojolari. He's now in the NFL. And I take all that really seriously, and uh, that was something I talked about on the radio a little earlier this week. Also, at the comment section of DogNation.com, weighing in on the discussion is uh, – actually, let me go back to – hold on. Let's find this. At DogNation.com, weighing in on the discussion for a couple of comments there as well. Going back to what we said yesterday, Dabo Sweeney. Did he reveal a weakness for his team against Georgia with the uncertain situation at center? Uh, Crazy Dog 76, or I should say Dog Crazy 76, writes in to the comment section there to say, I don't believe that Dabo Sweeney uh, won't have his weak area shored up by Saturday, even if he plays multiple centers linemen. He says Dabo can make adjustments and will make adjustments fast if it takes that. He says that said the team with tenacity will win the day. And I think that's probably right. I mean, I, I joked about this with Connor Riley on yesterday's show. As a Georgia fan, I don't think I've lived well enough for Clemson to make it easy for my team on Saturday. My guess is it's going to be hard. My guess is that Georgia makes it hard on Clemson there as well. I think that there will be big plays on both sides, but I think the value of those big plays will be at a premium because it's just going to be the kind of razor-thin margin that you want good games to have. I mean, this is the thing. It's like if the victory for Georgia was more easy to predict – if it was easier to predict, then it starts to feel like a lot of the other games that Georgia's played a lot in recent years. And for a, a large measure, there are a lot of Georgia fans who are just bored by that. They're tired of playing games that they know Georgia's going to win. And the only thing that matters is how how impressive was the final margin of victory. And that's you see that on our Dog Nation postgame show a lot. We talked about the postgame show with Terrence Edwards today. But you see this on the postgame show a lot, where if the standard is – did you win the game by enough points? Did you look pretty enough while doing it? It's very easy to end that day pretty disappointed. You're just setting yourself up for kind of a false, kind of you know, kind of sort of a false footing. Whereas if you're playing a opponent of the caliber of Clemson, where if you're being honest, going into the game you don't know if you're going to win or not. You know, it's that kind of tough, hard fought contest. And all of a sudden, now you can be satisfied with just a win. And as the commenter said, the tenacity on either side, whoever has the most. I loved what, I guess it was John Fitzpatrick was talking about this, and Kirby Smart also addressed this on Tuesday, the idea of straining. You know, not just working hard, but then straining beyond the point of what you might think is your own breaking point. Like, straining beyond that, the extra mile, the extra effort. That being the kind of thing that decides games like this. I think that's really good. It's why we are so plugged in it's why we're so glued to the screen or in front of our own eyes if we're lucky enough to be in the stadium it's why all that kind of stuff matters so much so i think it's uh it's fun to think about and i can't wait for the game on saturday and can't wait for one more day of dog nation daily with you before then so let me say goodbye for now and remind you to check out rs andrews online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs obviously ac units this time of year if you've got some 
tired, old air conditioning unit you're not quite sure has got much life left in it, get the peace of mind you need by getting that system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. You can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com on that. Also, make sure you check out us back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Hope you have a great day. Getting closer to game time. I look forward to enjoying it with all of you, and we'll see you tomorrow to do just that.